Welcome to the chase. The Chiefs is a white arc podcast aimed at specifically giving you an insight into what makes great leaders and entrepreneurs in a variety of organizations tick. We call them Chiefs. My name is James Chuffatelli, and together with my White Arc co-chief, Joe Hands, we're going to attempt to take you on a journey and talk to as many chiefs across as many industries as we can to give you an insight into A, what makes them tick, and B, what makes their enterprises thrive, and more importantly, what they've learned along the way. The Chiefs. All right, welcome to another edition of The Chiefs, and this week we are talking all things sales transformation, and I feel so, so privileged that we've got in the hot seat today a really wonderful chief who I've known for more than 20 years, Carlo De Filippo. Carlo is a sales leader at the absolute top of his game, so much experience and history, particularly working in pharmaceuticals, historically had actually uh, had a background in education but has got so much to share in terms of sales strategy and sales techniques. And in terms of something I'm very passionate about is sales execution. I don't think there's anyone better in this space as a sales leader, certainly not in this country than Carlo DeFilippo. Welcome, Carlo. Thank you, James. And thank you for um, such a wonderful introduction and looking forward to, to chatting with you over the next 20 minutes or so. Well, Carlo, you know what, it's, it truly is great to have you on board. What I should tell our listeners is that I've known Carlo for oh, 20 plus years and and I say it from the heart, he's one of the best, right, in terms of sales leadership. We certainly have bounced a lot of off each other uh, over the years and, you know, I continue to be someone who's enamored in terms of learning from Carlo. But some of the things that make you such a great leader around, you know, just having a, a great command for the disciplines of sales leadership and the instincts required, never losing sight of that target, but not being so fixed on it that you can't deviate strategy and, and what have you and your whole intuition to what's going in the market. There's probably never been a, a better year in, in a COVID year to talk about yes. some of your intuition and what have you, but that goal orientation. But the thing I've loved about you, Carlo, is that ability to coach and develop your people is something that I think sets you aside and makes you, you know, one of the most strategic sales leaders I know. But so I'm really, really excited to have you on the Chiefs. We're very, very fortunate. So what, what I wanted to talk to you about today before we kicked off, tell us a little bit about you. What's your story? James, as you mentioned, um, I did pretty much come out of university and jump into education. I was a school teacher for about 13 years. So I, I went from primary school to secondary school and and my key major was health and physical education. But as the years wore on, and as you know very well, um, playing a, a pivotal role in my journey, James, I sort of came to an end with education in terms of um, didn't aspire to become a vice principal principal. So I jumped on board with good people like yourself with a lot of knowledge and sales was definitely one of the areas that I looked at delving into. I had a health and physical education background and in a nutshell, the similarities were um, moving into pharmaceutical was bettering people's lives. So that was my transition into sales. And I've got to say it's been going on to 16 years now and I've never looked back throughout my journey. You know what, I think as we sort of continue this discussion, I think it's fascinating. I mean, your background in education and physical education in particular and health and what have you, I'd love to, and maybe we can talk about it a little bit later on, how sure. much of a role that played. You're one of the best sales coaches I know, sales leaders 
I know and I've spoken to to people who, who you've managed or worked alongside and they all agree that in terms of coaching you place a real emphasis on people and learning and what have you has that really stemmed from that background or is that just who you are yeah, look, I mean, you would definitely say, James, that there's um there's an element of that that comes from my educational background. But as you know, I also played soccer for many years and I had the opportunity and I was very fortunate to be guided by some very, very strong leaders in that space. So I suppose those two elements did have a significant impact on my ability to coach a successful sales team. But I suppose for me, I try and keep things quite simple. The expectations I have on myself and always had on myself, I would have on the staff that I manage and nothing less, basically. So, yes, to answer your question, it certainly did have an impact on the way I coach my team and individuals within my team. I love that transferability for all of our listeners. What One thing Carlo's not, because he's because knowing the human being that he is, he did play uh, football or soccer at the highest level. Like I'm talking at the state, national level. He's someone who could have represented his country, but his knees weren't weren't up to it. But you know what? In <laughs> in terms of you having mentors and being surrounded by coaches at the institute and what have you, it's funny some of those early settings that probably formed a bit of value for you intrinsically around you know mentorship and guidance. That's a really good reflection. I I'd love to ask you, Carlo. Sure. So you started your career in education, you've come out of uni, you're so successful as a teacher, and then you decide, right, I now want to move into the sales domain. Talk to me about those early years, because you had a new industry, pharmaceutical, and then uh, suddenly you're in sales. Talk to us about the early days. Yeah, so so basically, James, the early days, as you would know firsthand, I I delved into a lot of sales course and did a lot of uh, career counselling just to make sure that that was the area that I needed to transition into. It was a calculated transition, having a young family. So I pretty much resigned and went into a a sales repping position. So I was carrying the bag, just like yourself, James, when you started 25 odd years ago. Moved into the pharma side of things, so the medical side of things. In my initial four to five years, I was um, calling on local GPs and and selling different molecules to them and the efficacy and, and the benefits that would have on patients. And then from there, I was fortunate enough to move into a, a hospital role where I started calling on specialists. My particular field at the time was cardiologists. So I spent a couple of years there and then I moved into the consumer healthcare business unit. And that's when I delved into a, a management role. Yeah, and it's been a, a good seven to eight years where I've remained in this, in this position. The position has evolved over the years as my leadership qualities has. And we find ourselves in 220, um, which has been quite a quite a unique year, as we all know, with COVID. It's an amazing story. So you've gone from, you know, really your, your clients being your students and your teachers, and you've then jumped the fence and you've gone into pharmaceutical to hospital, talking to heart surgeons, cardiologists, as you mentioned, and then consumer health, your chemist warehouse and all those big groups. Correct. What were some of the early disciplines that you really had to get a hold of in your early days of selling? Sure. So as I said, that foundation for me, James, was pretty much laid very early in my life, obviously through uh, through my parents before I even moved into, you know, my first full-time job, which was in education. It was laid pretty much at home where mum and dad were both very focused, very planned people, had very, very high work ethics. All those traits were, were installed into me at a very, very young age. And as you know, I'm a pretty uh, I'm a pretty simple person when it comes down to strategy. 
those traits were transferable not only in my career in my soccer career but definitely also in my in my pharmaceutical um journey and particularly in my management role at the moment so for me the key elements are first of all you need to be disciplined you need to be committed to what you do and alongside with that you need to have very clear vision very clear planning to ultimately achieve your your sales objectives and goals I love that as a learning, right? So the foundation is very much around discipline first and foremost, yes. a, a strong leaning on commitment and then have a plan or a vision of where you want to go to. And then, you know, that's really all underpinned by this work ethic that's undeniable, right? So nothing comes easy, right? I'm sure there were days where you were you were, you were probably having to nothing probably lean in a little more. <laughs> I would love to now fast forward 20 plus years because you've sure. you've gone through the early part of the career, you've worked your way up through sales management into leadership yep. roles and a sales director role, and uh, now you're running teams and and people, sure. and COVID hits, right? 2020 comes. We all had our 2020 plans, Carl, and there was probably plans for for budget, for activity, for growth, and then COVID hits. Talk me about the early COVID days and what you saw. Sure. So um, obviously the, the early COVID days, I suppose it was it was a shock to all of us, to the world, not only Carlo or James or the pharmaceutical industry. It was a global surprise and very much unexpected. But in regards to my industry, James, the initial um, when, when COVID rolled out and it was real, it was in our community, we actually had a significant uplift in sales. I'm sure you can recall the panic buying that was occurring in our local groceries. March, April. Correct. That also applied to um to to out the pharmacies that that my guys look and that I look after as well. People were buying purely from panic. So March, April, our sales just just went north. And that was unexpected because you know it threw our forecast out. We had key products that we couldn't keep up with the demand. They were out of stock. So we had lots of different challenges that we didn't um, didn't anticipate when we rolled out our plans for 221. On the flip side of that, once the panic calmed down, and I'm sure you can recall that, you know, we started to see toilet paper back on the shelves in our groceries. <laughs> Same applied to our pharmacy shelves as well. The panic just wore off and all of a sudden our, our sales were just very, very flat. And as in most industries, they started to decline. So we started to go through a real hardship in trying to sustain our budgets and our objectives for 221. And tell me from a people perspective, so I mean, such a strong coach and such a strong leader that's founded on disciplines of managing activity and yep. what have you, what what happened to your sales folks? So, you know, they've gone from, you know, I'm sure you're managing them whatever number of appointments a day, et cetera, et cetera. And then yep. suddenly you've told them all to go home, particularly in Melbourne, in the hometown we're from. Then what yep. happened? How did you actually adapt to that? Yeah, so for me, it's a great question, James. Um, and, and I've got to say off the bat, it wasn't easy. It was challenging. But for me, there were two key pivots there. The first thing was it was a balance of, of supporting the team and the individuals within my team and within the company from uh, an emotional perspective, making sure that their mind, their mindset was healthy and they're in a very good place 
because it was an extreme transformation, as you said, from being out in field, from getting up in the morning, going to your first, second and so forth appointment to all of a sudden working remotely from home. So had to make sure that their well-being was being looked after. But on the same token, we also had to ensure that they were well equipped to have the necessary tools and the right mindset to sell in a very different environment. And that's obviously selling remotely through, you know, through your phones, through email, through Zoom, et cetera, et cetera. And I suppose the third one I can add to that is keeping them engaged and motivated. It's a different playing field when you've, as you said, when you've got a team working remotely from home. As example, you know, the coaching field days came to an end. So therefore that face-to-face interaction also came to an end. So then we looked at different streams and different avenues of, of myself tapping in with them, reviewing where they were at, where their mind was at, reviewing where their sales were at, reviewing where their gaps were at in terms of capability from selling at home. So that was pretty much the gist of that initial transition, James, uh, into COVID and working remotely from home. So the takeout for that is, okay, so suddenly your people have arrived home and, and Carlo's gone and said, okay, well, we've got to now double down. And first and foremost, we've got to make sure that their health and well-being is okay, right? So, you know, uh, supporting them and what have you. So high focus on people, not the activity at that point, but just making Correct. sure people are okay. I'd love to delve a little bit more into this next piece, which you, you said, okay, well, then we needed, there was an opportunity to educate them around the tools, like I'm sure you already had them at your fingertips, CRM and, the, you know, some of the client engagement tools, but even then more readily tools like Zoom. So all of a sudden I can't go visit my customers, but what you're suggesting is that you were leveraging Zoom as an opportunity for you to connect in, but also for them to connect in with their customers. And Absolutely. then uh, third and foremost, making sure they are motivated. I'd love to Absolutely. tap into the tools bit, Carlo, because I think sure. it's really, really interesting. And I mean, what's changed from your perspective? I mean, we spoke about the early days in your career and the disciplined. And if I think back in my own career, I think the thing that shifted is disruption or the availability of technology is something we could opt in or out of as salespeople. Because I used to always say, look, you know what, if I manage my activity, you know, the results will follow. But the truth is the activity now needs to be underpinned with the tools that are at your disposal. So talk me through how that's morphed. Like has has COVID accelerated that for you? 100% um, James. I'm very fortunate as you know I work for a a multinational um, pharmaceutical company so in terms of having the the funds and the support behind tools you know I've got to say it is A grade and and the tools were always there but you mentioned accelerating the usage of these great tools that we had during COVID and the answer is absolutely yes. So basically, as you mentioned, selling remotely is is very different. So there's a few things that we've done there. We're, we we have a, a fantastic L&D team that we brought in to upskill my sales team in conjunction with myself whilst working from home. And basically, the core ingredients behind the upskilling was around using the data that we have available. Because at the end of the day, I think, as you mentioned, you know, sales has has changed over the years. I think we have now become a lot more customer centric in the way we sell. You know, customer A's business is very different to customer B and so forth. So we're very, very privileged and very fortunate to have these great tools that underpin all the great activity that we have in place where we can be customer centric, we can delve into our customers' businesses, 
we can see what their strengths, what their weaknesses and what their opportunities are. And, and I think moving forward, even post-COVID, that is absolutely imperative. It's an imperative skill and it's an imperative tool. And, and I still think there's lots of room for improvement in the future, but it's a must, you know, it underpins, as you said, everything we do. I love, Carlo, that you've actually just highlighted, I've been having a lot of discussions lately with lots of large uh, sales organisations across a, a variety of industries, and everybody's saying, look, James, do you think technology's now arrived at a point where, you know, it's the death of the salesman or saleswoman? And I'm like, absolutely not. I think, no. but what you've actually just demonstrated firsthand through your example there, Carlo, is that you use the COVID period as an opportunity to probably accelerate the relevance of your workforce and your sales force by really making sure that I love the way you said, well, I partnered with L&D and I took the responsibility for, for the coaching and the teaching, but I partnered with these guys with a focus on tools and technology to make them better. And then more importantly, leveraging data or data around the market, around your customers to make yourself more relevant in a sense to your customer through data. I just think there's a learning in that for all of us. The last six months arguably now will be the most relevant in your organization's forward planning because you've just retooled. Absolutely, James. Yep, yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's a very, very simple philosophy that I use with my team and, and I've used for, for several years now, not only because of COVID, accelerating and amplifying. Our customers' businesses are our business. That's how we need to treat it. We need to have those lenses. Their business is our business. If we haven't got those lenses on and we don't adapt to that type of approach, I think it's going to be very, very difficult moving that customer or those, you know, those key account groups, moving those customers in the right direction, particularly as, um, you know, the world evolves and the competition increases. Yeah, as I said, it underpins and it, it's absolutely imperative that data is used at the forefront of all planning, of all strategies and so forth. I think that's a really rich insight for everybody listening. Our customers' business is our business. And, and I think gone are the days where you might prep once because the customer's in, uh, I don't know, he's a cardiologist, so that means all 10 cardiologists are the same or a customer's right. in consumer health, so all chemists are the same. Well, you know what? That means that we've almost got to treat every customer on their own merits. And it's an opportunity, as Carla has just suggested, for the whole organisation to align and work together. And here we're talking about sales ops, working with sales, working with marketing, working with legal, you know, working with comms, working with HR, all with that single-minded view on the customer. I think it's a really, really magnificent yep. uh, insight and something that's obviously holding you in great stead. I want to change pace a little bit, uh, Carlo. Sure. And I, I, fast forward, I don't know, let's only go a couple of years. Where, where do you think sales is headed? Yeah, that's um, <laughs> that's that's a very good question. <laughs> Million dollar question. It, it, it's a very good question uh, you asked. But I, I mean, if you look at the last, you know, let's say last three years and even delving into 2020 this year and next year in the sales pharmaceutical industry, you know, we have had the PBS reform that's that was introduced three, four years ago. So basically for those listeners at the moment that are not fully aware of PBS reform, but basically in community pharmacy, in the big chemist warehouses that, you know, some of you might go into, when people go and get a script in dispensary, 
that was a significant revenue you know outlay for those customers was 90 percent of revenue came from dispensary 10 percent came from the front of shop so to speak so that's all changed and i won't get into the nuts and bolts of that james because we'd need another hour <laughs> but basically with the government and adjustments the profit margins in that area have been really squeezed right out of it so as a result of that you know the customers now have to become retailers the pharmacists of the past are not technically only pharmacists they they have to be retailers to survive so i suppose my point is that's been a significant change the other thing that we've started to see in our industry is the level of activity with export i mean if you cast your mind back five six years ago export was non-existent all of a sudden we've got wechat we've got all these different platforms out there that involve our products and also involve a great deal of sales that we've had to cater for so we've had to pivot and make sure that we've got you know really strong foundations and strategies to cater for that but i think moving forward and i think we've touched on this already data is critical you know in the past the, the data that the customers used to hold behind dispensary and there was like you know a lock and key there those days are gone the customer knows that their data has to be transparent from our end as well so when we go into these accounts and when we go and speak to customers we have very clear insights of what they're doing or perhaps not doing so the discussion becomes a lot more relevant to them and the business relationships a lot stronger because there's you know there's joint decisions there's joint strategies there's joint plans to not only benefit you know the products that my company represent but you know if we win in these categories our customers win in those categories as well so i think that's going to be key moving forward data-driven discussions and as you mentioned earlier not just dropping into customers you know cold calls and perhaps you know talking talking random numbers and numbers that you perhaps think or assume i think that assuming is going to be a lot less you know having those accurate discussions around what's happening and not happening i think we'll see a lot more i'm loving that we started our conversation way back when with you know some of your core values your early days and we spoke about well you spoke very very strongly about the your discipline your background in education and the mentors you had how they really formed some guiding values for you around learning and you know your your value of of people in, in terms of mentors or your staff and and that work yeah. ethic but what's really really interesting is that now we fast forward and you're talking about you know what's making you such a grand leader and and, and the future of the business you're saying the same things which is fantastic you're talking about you know really ensuring that the customer is at the center of everything you do not just saying it but you're saying well data plays a big role in making sure that that you know uh, sales folks out there uh, they can use that data to make sure that they're the facilitators of education to a certain degree so you can use that data to educate tick point one for everybody yep. listening on on this podcast then the next piece you talk about is through COVID you saw it as an opportunity to leverage the time that you had in terms of these people having to retreat to their homes leverage digital to actually increase that efficacy not only of your sales rest, but leverage digital tools and and what have you to upskill your customers again data the digital transformation I love that your constant connection I know it's something that you do better than than most is run up 
and down those lines. And when we talk about go to market, you talk about it as a collective effort, you know, between all parties and all channels. And you even mentioned earlier that, you know, we live in an age where in your industry, you know, digital things like WeChat and exports. So really thinking about those channels and your sales folks aren't the only touch point into the customers, so really leveraging all of those channels to have a customer-centric approach. And then I just love the way that you're reconsidering technology and assets to drive every engagement around the customer, because I don't think there's ever been a more important time for revenue generation than, than now, and there's never been a more important time to leverage and arm your sales group to really be the insight and the education arm of the business. It's been fascinating as it always is, Carla DeFilippo, to talk to you. And I think you are an absolute champion. Uh, thank you, James. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I just wanted to also thank you for the opportunity of me coming on air here today. And, and, and I know that you and I have many discussions and we've known each other for a very long time. And for those, I suppose I sh- probably should have said it at the time, I've learned a lot from James over the 20 plus years and been a great mentor to me and has given me um, great opportunities throughout the years. So I just wanted to personally thank you for that as well. Uh, that's very kind of you. And, uh, you know, I can tell you that I've learned a far lot more around selling <laughs> from you than what you uh, ever possibly would give me credit for, Carlo. Thank you so much. I won't bring into this podcast that, you know, I wish you and your Carlton squad a great <laughs> year next year. Uh, but, you know, uh, from, from a tiger to a blue, you're a superstar. Thanks for being on the Chiefs. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, James. <laughs>